0: You know, there's nothing like Mexico or France where like you have all the, the infrastructure is ready to welcome the, 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 the tourist and you can go to a McDonald or whatever. Here you're getting to a different world.
1: Off Gassing, a scuba podcast with host Nick Hogle. In this episode, I speak with explorer and founder of Sulawesi dive trek, Robin Cuesta. Robin is at the forefront of cave exploration around Indonesia. We speak about getting into the right mindset before a dive, logistic difficulties of remote exploration, current projects, what to look for in teammates, the path that led him to open the first full cave dive center in Indonesia, and the relaxed, slow paced lifestyle in Southeast Sulawesi. Please enjoy. Robin, how are you doing this evening? Very good, thank you. What about you? Ah, not too bad. Just uh, just finished up work, my day job, and then my, my part-time, off-time work is uh, to get the podcast up and running, so hopefully it's going pretty good. Been at it for about three months now, so it's not not too bad. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we'll just jump right in, man. My my first question I wanted to ask you is, tell me you know how and why you got into scuba diving, and then you know take me through the progression of where you're at today. All right. So how did I get
0: into scuba diving? I was on holidays in Cuba with my ex girlfriend. That was like two thousand five or two thousand six. And we were toward the end of the holidays and we were on this spot in the left part of the island and she was like, Oh, you know, uh, it's a nice place for scuba diving. You should try. And I was like,
1: mm, uh,
0: you know, it's not really my, my thing. And she kind of pushed me and, and we tried and I really loved it, you know, like, uh, love at the first sight. So <laughs> after that, we went back to France. And next holidays, we did our open water together. And from here, like every single holidays we had uh, was focused on scuba diving, went through the. uh, So the open water was in the French Caribbean. Then the advanced in Mexico, uh, rescue in Thailand. And then I left France for a one year sabbatical in 2012. Uh, and I went to Kotao in Thailand, did my dive master, fell in love, came back in France, uh, sorted out everything, gave my apartment back and started a career in scuba diving. So I first worked in Bali for a couple of years and then moved to where I'm now in Baobao in Southeast Sulawesi to start the cave diving exploration. And now it's 2023 and here I am.
1: that's awesome man you've you've been to some uh some a few destinations out of all of those destinations which one would you say was like i mean obviously i'm assuming now is probably where you want to be but when you were progressing was there one that kind of stood out amongst the others
0: ocean wise i would say that indonesia is definitely one of the best country in the world for the diversity of dive site and, and location but i also remember well sipadan uh, in east borneo in malaysia and the french island of new caledonia was also like amazing very remote very beautiful um but if i had to to pick one place or at least one country i would say like definitely indonesia is the the place to go if you like scuba diving in ocean and now in cave also
1: yeah <laughs> Well, we'll get to the the cave in a minute. When you were progressing through, I mean, obviously you said you you fell in love at the first breath. When you were progressing through, was it just kind of like, I'll take another class, I'll take another class, see where I end up? Or did you have the end goal in mind to become a a diving professional? Or how did that all work out?
0: No, not really. So at the beginning it was really like, so you get the open water to, to be able to dive during your holidays. And then on the next three days, the the guide tell you, like, you cannot go deeper than 18, so you should take the advance and then you take the advance and so on. And then when I was back in France uh, at this time, before leaving for Thailand, that's where I I wanted to spend more time scuba diving. And I, I found that the option of taking you dive master while doing some kind of internship over a few months was a good occasion for me to progress and have some more underwater time. And I found this dive center in Kotao, Rocktopus, with very good, like, very good vibe, very good instructor. And that's where I really, like, okay, uh, what I really realized, like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do for my life.
1: Uh, Rocktopus, I think they're... I'm not sure if this was recent, but they just, uh, they're a raid dive center right now, right? Correct.
0: They've been for quite a while, actually. They've, they've been pushing it since a few years. So when I joined this dive center, it was like a very small shop north of Seri Beach, and they really quickly turned into like this really, really big organization for a good reason, because they were providing like quality training and like a very good vibe, uh, good proximity between the instructor, the guide, and the customers. And now they mostly, if I'm not wrong, um, teach Red course.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Cool, cool. And you, you recently just went to Raid, is that correct or no?
0: Yeah, correct. So my first tech diving training was there with uh, one Australian guy, Chris Aslam, that then went working for red, and he recently took over the, the Indonesian part. And he asked me if I was interested to join his team, and yeah, that's just that's how it happened. And now, like, uh, so I was I was his guest at some at some point, and now we're working together to promote and and teach those those courses.
1: Awesome, awesome! Yeah, I actually just took um a raid, my first raid course earlier this year with uh, uh, Andy Davis out in the mm-hmm. Philippines. I uh, did the advanced rec mm-hmm. course, and that was that was a lot of fun. I did this course also
0: with him a few years ago
1: yeah yeah no he's he's super super knowledgeable um Ooh. I went out there in November of last year to kind of meet with him and do like a, a not a skill set but just kind of you know I just wanted to meet him make sure me and him were a good fit teacher student wise mm-hmm. and um, yeah super super cool guy ended up going back and and hopefully uh, I don't know if it'll be this year or early next year I'd like to go back and kind of do another course with him but yeah the the raid um, lineup you guys have definitely gotten uh, a few Few pretty big instructors that have been teaching or that I want to say that did the crossover or whatnot over to raid so it's kind of cool to to see that you're moving down that path
0: yeah yeah I mean the, I like the, the the system and the the everything works online the material are good quality and also it's very easy to to reach to the to the board like if you see any modification to do on the material the exam a dive agencies has a lot of uh, materials, quiz, uh, manual, exam, and you always find like some weird, weird thing, some mistakes, some errors, and I found that uh, with them it's very easy to port that to the higher, higher board and make it correct it like very, very quickly
1: so when you started to pr- progress into the technical world you want to talk about that a little bit were you was it something that just kind of was it like a natural progression like oh let's try this or how did that all unfold
0: yeah yeah so i've i mean i was at this time like a dive master and of course i would see those guys going with all those tanks and going deeper and longer and And I wanted to try also, and I had the chance to do this course, uh, Advanced Nitrox and Deco Procedure with Chris. After the course, we did also like a Simon course. And he told me he just did his cave diving course with some French guy in France. So he put me in touch with him. And I went back to France the next year to do my course. And yeah, that's just the same process. You know, you just want to go to get more and more and more and more and... It's never stop. I'm still I'm still learning. I'm still taking course mostly every year. I'm trying to progress. I'm trying to get better in my diving, either for me or teaching wise. And yeah, that's I think how you stay like at the top of your game as a, as an educator.
1: No, that's awesome. And you know, speaking aside, man, I want to say congrats. You definitely you had the uh, article on the the who's who of sidemount in the in-depth article, so that, that must have been a pretty good feeling. When, when did you get into sidemount, and did you know it was gonna be your path as soon as you took the course, or?
0: I mean, I took sidemount when I was doing my dive master, so in 2013, and that was like kind of the same time when I did some uh, twin set course. I mean, sidemount is, is a tool for the job, you know, and, and that's what fits perfectly what I'm doing now. So I have no really preference between Twinset and Sidemount. I can see some situation when, when Twinset would be way, way better and way easier to handle. Uh, while on the other hand, uh, I see a lot of situation where side mount would be better. But yeah, I've, I've chosen Sidemont as my favorite configuration. So did this course and then went to Subic with Andy also to do the, the technical side mount, uh, advanced Rec. And uh, now it's, in Indonesia, it's becoming very, very popular. So like a lot of people are taking Simon course. So I teach a lot of those courses also around here.
1: How How did you, I mean, I know it's a pretty easy question or, or easy to answer question, especially for a lot of people. But so how did you end up in, in Bali? Like, did, was it just a trip? I mean, I know a lot of people end up, but how'd you end up like teaching and living there for a while?
0: So after my, my gig in in thailand i went for like you know like getting around southeast asia stopped by bali fell in love and the the, the dive center i was working with i was uh diving with uh, offered me to to come back uh, and work with them if, if i get my instructor rating so i went back to thailand took my instructor course back to bali and start working for them
1: bali's definitely uh it's definitely a place that you can fall in love with. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was just there in, it, well, it's nice now that I live in Malaysia, like it's a lot easier for me to get to Indonesia. I think it's, if there was a direct flight, I think it'd be about three hours, but usually we have to go through KL, which is not mm-hmm. too bad, but, you know, adds a little bit of time. Well, speaking of that, so talk about the progression from becoming an instructor to going on to starting Solo Easy Dive track.
0: So at this time I was working in Bali for already a couple of years and I wanted to, you know, change, see something different. So I wanted to go for cave diving because I was getting more and more into it after diving in France, in Mexico, in Thailand, in Philippines. And I looked for information about cave diving in Indonesia and couldn't really find uh, anything. And I had the chance to to meet... uh, uh, Mark Craig, Mark that recently had been uh, to Sulawesi for a few days to scout and he told me that he saw a big, big potential there uh, so I took my I took my gear I took everything packed it and moved to baobao and start exploring and I found quite a few cave there and then so it was like uh, August two thousand sixteen so seven years ago and like quickly realized that the potential was great. So I I decided to go through my uh, full CAVE instructor path. So it took me a few years and and I opened the business uh, three years later in 2019, October. Well, not the best uh, timing uh, COVID-wise, but yeah, so far so good. We survived.
1: No, that's awesome, man. Seems like you guys are doing doing really well. So opening up the business was that I mean, obviously, that's a, probably a pretty I don't think you would you wouldn't have thought you would have been there when you took your open water course. But like, what are some of the challenges that you faced?
0: The first challenge I faced was that when I decided to open the business, I was broke because I burned everything I had in exploration. So I started to to look for people that will uh, help me to invest in the business. And that's when uh, I met Antoine that's running Bali Dive Trek. And I pitched my idea and it was like, directly like, okay, let's do it. So he didn't really wait or hesitated. And he uh, provided me some money, some equipment, and also the administrative structure of his dive center to be able to to create mine. Which is a branch of Bali Dive Trek. So Surawise Dive Trek is the same company. So it's just a branch.
1: What about like the the day to day operations? So I mean, you're obviously living there full time now. Is there is there tough to kind of get stuff imported in? You know, I'm sure it's it's probably can't be easy.
0: That's super difficult. So it took me a lot of time to get all the logistics and find employees and and you know like design a, design a typical diving day because it's like a very remote area where there's almost no tourism so it's and it's a it's a one-man show i mean it used to be a one-man show now i have uh, people working with me but yeah that was very very difficult uh, everything has to be imported and it takes time and i basically need to be self-reliant here i cannot if something break i cannot bring it to the shop and come back a week later and it's fixed so i had to learn to Uh, fixed compressor equipment booster everything and uh, it took me a while but now i think we have a pretty smooth operation and things are getting better and better and and so far i think all my guests have been pretty satisfied with the prestation we offer here
1: before getting into the side of it Is it just kind of learning on the fly? Like, okay, the compressor, something went wrong. I got to figure out how to fix it. Do you have resources? Because I'm sure that's got to be difficult, just not being able to to run to the store and grab the parts that you need. I mean, I've always been
0: interested about how to... I was already like uh, proficient in fixing regulator and basic scuba equipment. And I have an engineer background also, so I kind of like to to see all those things work. Uh, But... Yeah, of course it was quite a challenge, and uh, I went back to Bali uh, in a compressor repair shop, spent a little bit of time there, and then you know with experience, uh, you uh, and when you like when you're facing the situation, the thing is broken and you need to make it work. Well, you make it work at some point.
1: Well, awesome. So the the exploration, you want to talk a little bit of that side about the, the exploring that you're doing over there?
0: Oh yeah, sure. I could talk out. So exploration. So what is exploration? First is like, uh, so we're looking for a new place where we can dive, but that's just so the the process is like you look for those place. You can use uh, a lot of different information, geological map, uh, your feeling, uh, information from local communities, and all that stuff, and then you have those targets. So you go there. Uh, First, without the equipment, you have a look, maybe you you just take your mask, okay, it looks promising. So you come back uh, later with equipment and uh, you realize that there's nothing actually. And that's what happened mostly uh, 90% of the time. And then uh, come the easy part where you dive. It's nice. Uh, You take a few pictures, you post it on Instagram, you're super proud. But then after that comes the hardest part, which is like surveying, mapping, taking like some proper data that can be used after for like scientific purpose. Exploration is not only what we're seeing and what we're showing on social media, it's way, way more. But of course at the beginning, and that's uh, I think how everybody starts. You just go, you dive, you come back, you go home, you tell your friend, oh, I found a cave and you're super proud. But then it gets deeper and deeper than that. And at some point the diving part becomes almost like, you know, like a a detail, just a small, small part of the whole process. Yeah, that's something I really like. And that's really what drives me here. I'm on holiday since uh, yesterday. So I had a a group from China just before and tomorrow I'm leaving to uh, Java Island to do some uh, cave exploration on my free time.
1: No, that's awesome. Is that? Is there anything you can talk about the the Java expedition?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So, so Java is the the, the most populated island of, of Indonesia, and if I'm not wrong, is the most populated island in the world uh, with the highest density. And they have a lot of karstic areas. So, karstic area are uh, area with carbonate rock where you likely very likely to have uh, some cave and exploration. That's where like. The, the caving uh, i'm talking dry caving the, the caving activity starts in indonesia in the 80s so in java but also in south sulawesi or Makassar, and you had a lot of uh, international teams that went there in the 80s the 90s and started to collaborate and train indonesian caver and, do, and did some cave diving also and yes, yeah, there's a very, very big potential. So Indonesian also, I've started to to explore uh, a little bit on this area. So I'm just like going there and I have a lot of friends also uh, that dry cave on this area. So they always send me like picture of those spring and those dry cave there's water here, you should come, blah, blah, blah. And now I had like a few days off. So I decided to to just move there and see what's happening.
1: Just because I'm, um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are curious too, but talk about like the, the mindset, like what goes through your mind when, you know, you, you get to an area, you see a, a body of water, you know, however small, however big, and no one's been in there before. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm about to jump in there. What, what's going through your mind? Like what, how, talk to me about that.
0: Oh, that's a tough question. I'm always like very excited when I see this, uh, but I re- what I really really enjoy actually is the is the process before that, you know. So it's always start with uh, someone telling me like, oh, I've seen this body of water and this looks promising. So then we start to organize. Okay, so where is it? How can we organize logistics? And then I usually go there and meet the local community. So that's mostly always a dry caver. So there is a very very a dense and uh, dense network of cave explorers in, in Indonesia uh, they mostly always uh, walk through those uh, what they call like mapala so which you will translate into uh, a nature lover students and those are clubs that are uh, related to universities so that's where all the, the, the magic happens in Indonesia uh, when it comes to exploration and not only uh, cave, but cave, mountain, so all the outdoor thing. And then, so I have this contact, prepare my gear, go there, meet those people. And everybody is always like super excited because of course, cave diving is a, a very new thing in Indonesia. And so we, we spend like nights talking, sharing ideas, sharing techniques. And, and then we prepare everything. We go there together and yeah, then come the, the last step. While well, I go, I take my tank and I, I dive. And what I feel here, I always have a little bit of you know, like stress, a little bit of uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, but I think it's pretty natural and that's what keeps me alive also. So I'm always very careful about what I'm doing, always analyzing everything, uh, trying not to push myself. So if I have you know, my little voice telling me like something smells bad, I just turn around, come back. And then uh, reconsider the thing, and maybe go back and, and and try again. So you know a mix of excitement, stress, fear, and then when you when you do your exploration and and you surface, so you have like your your head like go through the surface, and you have the fresh air coming in your face. It's just like a, a magical uh, feeling, you know. So I've, you you did what you like, and you have all those people that are waiting for you, and and they all like part of the thing, you know, even if I'm uh, usually diving uh, solo, it's always a teamwork. So it's always a big thing like and people that uh, really do this out of passion. So it's never like, they never have the interest of, okay, we're going to get money out of this or that. And then you come back and you know, they always like ask you, so what, what did you find? What did you find? And it's very hard because the first mi- the, the first minute you come back to, to the surface, you have this, you know, you 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 still down there, and it's very hard to communicate, and it's very hard to receive all those uh, input from uh, from outside. So it always take me uh, a few minutes, and the longer I was the dive, the more time I need to to come back on Earth. Uh, but now most of people I'm exploring with uh, regularly, they know about that, so they always like let me know uh, surface, remove my gear sit down, uh, have my shit together, and then I can share with them and show picture of what's amazing, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's pretty good feeling.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man. So when you when you go to so this is obviously a new place that you're going to explore, what are some like must bring pieces of equipment? And then also, when you get there, like, it, are, are they carting in tanks from from afar? Like, how does that all work out?
0: Okay, so, so that's a very good question. And, and actually, I, will, I just finished packing my stuff. The specific village I'm going now, there's already uh, a few guys. Uh, my friend Rinto, Bona, they went there and already did some exploration. But yeah, basically, mostly you, you need to, to secure a compressor and tanks. I have, I have mine and I, I usually, when I travel not too far, I travel with my own uh, thing, but uh, Java is pretty far away. It's two flights away from uh, Baobao and it's like around two, two days and a half of boat. So it's not really possible to, to take my own compressor, but through those clubs, the Mapala, they always find way. So they either have a Mapala club that's doing diving so you can borrow the compressor, the tank, or you can go to the firefighter, the army, the search and rescue. And they will mostly always uh, be very keen to lend you some equipment. Uh, I never had like, any, I always found like people like are very enthu- enthusiastic and trying their best to help me and provide me what I need. So yeah, so this is the main part, like compressor and tanks. And then everything else I bring with me, like my diving equipment, line, uh, survey equipment, spares, all this kind of stuff so now i'm traveling with around like 50 kilogram of equipment and i'm depressed about thinking about the airport and the check-in process and there always something it's always a big thing
1: yeah oh i'm sure especially when you get to those those really remote places kind of like what you what you were speaking about a little bit earlier if you don't bring it then most likely you're not going to be able to get it there or or i mean the chances are probably pretty low i would think
0: well, the thing is also, it's, as in Indonesia is a very, very popular diving destination, there is mostly always a dive center, not too far. So you can always find ways, borrow tags. And, and what's something that works well in Indonesia is send, sending stuff. You know, there's boats, there's always ways. So I could be like stuck somewhere and call a friend and, oh, can you send me this and that? And they always have a way to, to, to reach uh, your place but it needs time. So when you explore here, you need to be very patient and you need to have time. So you cannot really like go uh, for three days and expect like day one, then two, then three, I'm gonna dive and that's it. Because that's, anything can happen anytime and you, you could be stuck for four days because you're waiting this piece of equipment that broke. So you need a lot of time. And I remember when I reached Baobao, the first time it took me more than a week to get everything ready and, and do, do my first dive. So you need to organize this and that. And, you know, the relation to to time in Indonesia is very different from what we know in our Western world. So, you know, like taking and I'm pretty sure you you probably have uh, the same in Malaysia, Uh, but that's coming from uh, like the Javanese culture, how they how they count the time. It's it's all different. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's worse. And in many ways, actually, I prefer their way of doing it. But like telling someone, okay, so let's meet uh, tomorrow at this time. It's not really something happening, you know. And you can find this also in, in the language, you know. So uh, a same word can describe tomorrow, which uh, in English tomorrow it's in, in a 24 hours frame. But tomorrow, uh, the same words like besok can be uh, in a couple of days, three days, four days. Who knows? And at the beginning, especially when when you move from, from Europe here, you're like getting crazy about that. And then you just accept it. And it's, I find it's a, a very cool and relaxed way of, of living, actually. But you just need to rewire everything in your brain. And now I'm, being, I'm super patient. And when I come back in France and I see people when they're queuing for anything, and they, when they wait a few minutes, they start to be crazy and like, oh, what's happening? It's a scandal, blah, blah, blah. And me, I'm like super relaxed. I'm like, yeah, that's life. Okay, get my book and read, and <laughs> things gonna happen at some point.
1: Definitely, completely understand that because yeah, the the sense of time is is very different out here, and and yeah, I don't I don't look at it as a negative thing. It was just more of an adjustment for me to come out here, um, especially the the industry that I'm in. It was yeah, the the you know, if they say a meeting starts at eight. Probably eight fifteen, eight thirty. Realistically, you know, people start moseying in, start showing up at eight, and then the actual meeting, yeah. you know, maybe starts at eight thirty. But no, that's that's super funny, and and yeah, it's definitely this this part of the world. But um, it is very relaxing. I do agree with that because once you kind of let go and you can just enjoy it, then and and embrace it for what it is. It's definitely. Uh, a, a funny feeling. But no, that's really funny that you you mentioned. <laughs> my, my next question, when you started, I don't know if it came before or after, but uh, when you started exploring more and you started kind of pushing and going further, was that when you went down the path of a rebreather?
0: Yes, it was. When you explore cave, so I always start with my I usually start with like a, a pair of very small tank, like three liters or four liters. I just go have a look. Okay, uh, that's sounds promising. Then I take my SAT, my 11 liters, and I penetrate uh, using very conservative gas, gas rules. So like uh, usually one sixth, one seventh of my tank. And then when I've, I, I have a feeling of the cave, I push a little bit and then add one more tank, two more tank. And yeah, when you go over like four tanks, four tanks in in Saint-Mont, uh rebreather becomes a, a pretty good tool. So I really went into rebreather specifically for a cave exploration. But then another challenge that I didn't foresee appears. It's like you have your rebreather and you need to take bailout tank. And the further you go, the more bailout tank. And then at some point you you try to avoid that, but now instead of four tanks, you're wearing like one rebreather and four tanks. So that's why recently, recently I, I, I started to work a little bit into a dual rebreather, uh, where we have like uh, the bailout is uh, supported by a second unit, uh, and so you kind of minimize also your your uh, overall shape, increase safety during the dive. Yeah, so I'm just starting. Okay, it's like a. a... But that's something that's been going on for a while and actually uh in our dive center in bali that's a course that uh, Antoine 20 uh, so it's recently been released by intd as an official uh, certification and course so you will have like way more experience than me uh, but me i'm using this very specifically in the cave environment and so far i've been mostly doing like uh how, how would you say like simulation dive so where i I carry the the whole thing even though i don't really need it so i always stay like not far away or or like in in not so challenging cave but yeah that's quite a challenging thing because you have a lot of things to that happen and and a lot of you know like protocol and connection and those kind of things so so i can't tell really much about it i just did like a uh, a pretty big dive with, with, with this configuration recently in uh, one of the cave around, around my area uh, at a depth of 80 meter. And yeah, it went pretty well. But I actually, so I had my main unit and I used the second rebreather that I staged that I dropped on the line uh, as a backup. So it was not really like a dual rebreather like where you you managing and carrying the two rebreather with you during the whole dive. It was more like one reserve and one bailout reserve that I would leave uh, in the line in case uh, of emergency.
1: Do you want to talk about that dive a little bit? Because you were, you were trying to push the, obviously, the basically explore new territory in that, that area.
0: So yeah, you, we, we have this very deep cave uh, around here, which name is uh, Oemamba. So it's like basically a, a lake with a very big sinkhole, a very big drop. And we dove, uh, well, I, I dive there like very frequently with my guests at more reasonable depths, of course. And we we dove it like a few years ago with a friend of mine, Paul, from Thailand that you, you may know. Uh, and we went to a depth of uh, 72 or 75 meters, something like that. And uh, and on the last few months, I I've saw, you know, the more you go back in the cave, the more... You can see it, and sometimes you see it with a different angle. And and even though you've been there like a hundred of time, uh, you can realize oh, this. Maybe this new passage, this new tunnel. And I saw this tunnel a few a few months ago, and I decided to go have a look. And that's when uh, I organized this dive during my days off. It was so I was expecting going down to 100 meter, but it didn't really uh, went uh, that way, and it was. Once I got closer from this tunnel, it was actually way, way more restricted than what I saw. And I started to, to go down and, and you know, it was getting tighter and tighter. And it was like a, a very vertical position like that. Rock were falling, visibility was, was getting very bad. So I stopped around uh, 80 meters. Uh, I think it's still going, but that's kind of... a ongoing process you know you go there you get a few meter and then you come back and the next time you you go back with more experience and push and yeah you have to know and especially at those depths and this this environment you need to know when to turn back moreover if you're diving solo uh you know uh, nobody's gonna help you if anything arrives so yeah you need to be very careful about that it was still a super nice dive and i'm very proud and happy about what i did and i will for sure come back there uh, one of those days.
1: Are are most of the explorations that you're doing, are are they mostly all solo or how, how does that work out?
0: Um, but At the beginning, yeah, because I was basically the only one doing cave diving in in the area. And then local divers started to get into it, so they've been trained by, by Paul at that time and they started to explore also and we did a few projects together. And then I have started to train people and they've joined on exploration and now there's uh, a community growing in Indonesia. So it's always nicer, you know, to be with people. Sometimes when I dive solo, I, I do this crazy exploration. I end up, I surface and I'm like, yeah, when well, I have no one to share it with. <laughs> it's kind of sad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's always good to, 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 to be with friends. And of course, I will also always have a, a friends on, on, at the surface. Uh, but now when we're talking specifically about the diving part, I feel safer and more comfortable being alone because now all my brain capacity and my brain time can be focused on my own safety. And you know, there is this time where your stress, when you get very comfortable in diving and experience, your stress shifts from stressing about yourself to stressing about other. you know? I don't want to have this thing to deal with uh, in exploration. So if I go explore with someone, I want to be sure 100% that this guy is going to be strong and solid and he's not going to be a liability for me. That's an environment when you cannot afford to panic, you cannot you cannot afford to lose your shit. Sometimes it's better to be alone. That's, and it's very hard to know because you can be a very good diver and... And very good, very experienced in certain environments. But when you're underground in a cave, it's all changed. You know, you, 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 you never know the first time you're going to face your, uh, proper zero visibility, your proper, uh, lost line, all those things that you learn in, in, in course and, and you train for it, you train for it. But when it happens, when it happens for the, in real life, it's totally different, and you never know how you're going you're gonna to face, face the situation. And there is a, a, a very good chapter about that in the INTD manual about survival. How does one individual react when he's facing like a deadly a situation? So some people, they can manage to they quickly get their shit together and apply a set of protocol they learn. Uh, most people, they will be like, not, not really knowing what happened and they will take time and then they will have this uh, fly or fight syndrome. So they could be dealing with the thing properly or get totally crazy. And some people, they just not designed it for that. And that's something also us as educator and and teacher, we need to identify during the course. Okay, it's total, cave diving is not something that's for everybody. Of course, now we have like a whole set of protocol and let's say it's a pretty safe activity when you do, when you know your limit, but it's not, not necessary to put yourself through that if it's not something you you like and you have to try, you have to try to know that. I know that solo diving is controversial in many, many, many ways and some people will say that it is a uh, one of the main root cause of accident But in many, many situations, uh, being solo is actually safer. And I'm thinking about like a low visibility cave or a very restricted cave. You know, when I go in the restriction with someone, my f- main fear is not getting stuck or whatever. It's like, what if the guy behind me, so we get inside the restriction and the guy behind me gets stuck and panic and now I cannot turn around and exit the thing. So the stress is not, is not about the restriction itself. That's something I can, I can manage, I can deal with, but knowing that there's someone behind me that I don't know or don't trust, that's something that's really frightened me I'm terrified by that. So when I'm, I'm with some, so that's why I, I usually uh, do, uh, exploration with people I know, or with people that are more experienced than me, that I know they've been doing some uh, serious stuff. And that's how the only way I can feel uh, safe in a team. Of course, I'm not talking about like a holiday cave diving in Mexico with friends, where well, it's always better to have a buddy on, on this situation for sure. Uh, a buddy provide you a backup brand, can assist you, and it still increase your chance of survival if something happen, even if it's small, it's still a, a better chance. But on the very very specific field of cave exploration, not always.
1: So, what is something that you do? to prep to see if you're gonna be compatible with somebody in a cave exploration? or What are some of the things that you do to prep? And then also, if, if you don't mind answering this question, what are some red flags that you see that you're like, okay, this is probably not the person I wanna go <laughs> into the cave with? I know you kind of explained some of them already.
0: See, I think I have a pretty simple answer as i said you know cave exploration is an adventure so it's not only the diving it's everything that comes before and after so that's time you're going to spend with someone with a team so my first thing is that even before thinking about the diving skill or whatever is like the general feeling with the person is it someone i want i want to hang out with you know if you don't have this feeling if you just don't connect i wouldn't even try to push. more the guy could be the best diver in the world i don't care uh, because Uh, The diving is going to be like uh, maybe one hour out of one week of time. So even if this this one hour is uh, amazing, I don't want to to spend like six days and 23 hours with a pain in the ass, you know. So that's the first thing. And now the the diving skill, you you can't really lie when you dive. So you do a few. When I explore with someone, I mostly always have been diving with him in different environments so i know how he would uh, behave and what what i really expect to someone is someone that can say no i don't feel i don't feel i can do that so that's for me it's a green flag even though well we may go, we, we may miss this dive for no reason but that's something that would really make me trust this person uh, by opposition of someone that would be like super like you know like yo i'm 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 the best I, uh, i'm fearless and uh, i have no stress and so yeah that's all those human uh, mostly those human skills that i would i would uh, like to have in a in a buddy so someone that's you know not an adrenaline junkie not someone that i want to show off of course we all show off and it's part of the game you know and you can see my instagram is full of pictures of me passing restriction and blah, blah, blah and pretending I'm a, a badass cave diver because that's, you know, that's part of the, the, the game, the business. But when you're in the field, that doesn't count anymore. You know, that's now it's like uh, you and me doing something that's pretty high risk. Personally, I don't want to die in a cave. That's for sure. I don't want to die diving. Uh, and I expect my uh, buddy to have the same feeling about life. You know, if the guy is like reckless and fearless and it's like whatever if i just stay down there i stay down there that's not something someone i want to go with because i enjoy life you know
1: no that's a that's a great answer man yeah no that's that's a huge thing because um you know obviously i I don't explore i don't do any of that sort of stuff but um i i generally feel the same way about instructors that's why i like to meet instructors firsthand because it's like you could be the best instructor in the world but if we don't click then then there's something kind of there no that's a that's a great answer man a couple last questions um so you have a a big exploration project coming up towards the end of this year that you're a part of do you want to talk or i don't know if you can talk about your role and and what's going on there
0: the project is taking place in one of the cave i found and explored in the last few years which is so far the longest underwater cave i've I've found in, in indonesia and uh so it's like a, an exploration project, pushing the exploration. So I've reached, kind, I kind of reached my limit of what, can, what I can do as a solo diver, which is like, uh, so the cave now is around 3, point 3. five kilometers long. Um, so that's like two, two to three hours of penetration. And I still have this, you know, like I was telling you a little bit sooner that you need to know your limits. And of course you can push them little by little. But so far, when I'm over like three hours away from the exit, alone, I can feel that my brain is starting to fry. And now I'm like on the on the edge and that's not a good feeling. And, and I feel that if I'm on this area, very far from the exit and something happen, I could lose my mind. Now, that's where like having a team of very experienced divers uh, comes very handy. And if you look at the... The list of divers are probably almost more experienced than me, so it's a great honor to be able to dive and explore with them. And we're gonna push the the exploration of fully, but we never know. Also, you know, uh, so at the end of line, on the next turn, it could be done over. You know, the, we we never know how far can go a cave, and uh, that's something also everybody has to understand. Everybody that's that joined the team. Of course, we all expect to uh, carry on from, for kilometers and, and you know we're gonna bring like DPV and rebreather and stuff. But the fact is that there's always a great chance that on the next turn, the cave stop. But that's not the point anyway, because the point of this uh, expedition is to also create a scientific baseline about uh, what we can find in this uh, aquifer. So the biodiversity, uh, the speleogenesis, so how the cave has been formed, hydrology, what's the quantity of water, what's the quality of water, uh, and so much more uh, scientific discipline. Um, so, you know, cave diving is is something that connects a lot of different science, geology, hydrology, archeology, span biology, uh, sedimentology, and uh, science that we don't even know the name. Um, but yeah so through this exploration we're going to bring together a team of international scuba divers with scientists and a dry caver and all those people are going to work together to establish exactly what do we have under our feet and based on that we hope also to to help to develop the area and protect the area and develop the cave diving and everything and yeah, that's a very, very great challenge. That's really something I'm looking forward
1: to. No, that's awesome. Um, and I very much look forward to to see you know what unfolds from this whole project. Is there is there like a set time frame? Like, is it like we start here and then just keep going until we're done, or this is our window? How, how does how does that usually called?
0: The logistic for the, this kind of expedition is is really really. Big part of the thing, you know, and I can tell about that because I'm in charge of logistic on site. You have so much things to do, so to f- find the funding and then contact the dive equipment company and and the local authorities and the scientists and and put everything together is a, a really complicated thing because you have all those people from different world, different culture, and and you need to to make them. Talk together, divers, scientists, official government, police, and whatever. So yeah, of course we have a we have a, a time frame of uh, three weeks, and yeah, that's but that's gonna be like you know the, the let's say the easiest part are gonna be the three weeks, but what comes behind that, the organisation, the logistics, is a real. I never expected that actually. You know, it's my first big expedition. And uh, when I was appointed as a head of logistics, I was like, eh, whatever, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, just make sure we have some coffee after the dive and buy a few beers so everybody gets happy. But now it's like a lot of work. And I cannot even talk for the other person of the team. They do even worse thing because they, they're like in Europe and they're like negotiating with all those funding stuff, the the, the dive equipment. Uh, you know, making contracts—it's like that's a lot of work.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure there's there's a ton that goes into that, and and like I said, man, no, I very much look forward to seeing what happens and what what all unfolds with that. That's it's it's exciting stuff what you guys are doing. All right, and then my my last few questions, um, and I know we kind of spoke about this kind of throughout the the podcast. You know, I'm a I'm a person that's listening to the the this episode and. I want to come visit out where uh, at Sulawesi Dive Trek. What can I expect? What do you offer? What kind of what kind of things? I mean, you offer courses. You offer fun diving, cave diving. Do you do ocean diving? Do you want to just kind of talk a little bit about that?
0: So we offer basically every kind of diving: ocean, cave, open secrets, reserve, shallow, deep, tri mix, whatever you want. What you should expect is like going to a place where tourism is still like very low uh, so it's an authentic place so you know there's nothing like Mexico or France where like you have all the the infrastructure is ready to welcome the the, the tourist, and you can go to a McDonald's or whatever here you're getting to a different world and it's uh, that's what's very interesting also. Because you you're still in this place you know where you can see people in their own environment with their own culture and it's very different you really like it's really like an adventure so of course you have the diving part and when you dive you dive you have your tanks and you, you do whatever you, you have to but all the things uh, on the side are like really are making like an amazing experience in my opinion so it's not only. Yeah, it's not only the diving part; it's all what goes around. So you're going into a different world, different universe, and that's super interesting. Now, as well with the dive trek, we have the advantage of cave that we explored or our friends uh, from here explored. So we really know, we really know the the, the place. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm doing cave diving—it's my whole life. You know, I'm doing cave diving as a job, as a passion, as a hobby. So it's not only like a a way to to put food in my plate you know it's what i really like to do and i hope that when i'm teaching or i'm getting people that's something i try to uh, transmit to to my guests
1: awesome man no i i very very much look forward to coming out and visiting when i can also my last question for you, uh, before I let you go is what advice, I mean, I know you, once again, we've kind of spoke about some stuff here, but what advice would you give? I, 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 sometimes I frame the question to your younger self or frame the question, like what advice would you give to somebody that is just getting into technical, just getting into overhead, you know, they, they see all these, Instagram posts that's they're like, that's the route that I want to go. They, you know, what, what advice would you give to that person?
0: Very simple. Seek proper training. That's like the key of everything. Have a good training, seek a good instructor where you click with the one, the thing you said before, because, uh, everything then is going to be based on what you learned on this course. So don't. I know it's hard to say that, but don't look at the price. Don't look at how difficult it's going to be to go there. Just pick people that are doing this uh, on a daily basis. You know, so not only teaching class, and so they need to do this in their free time. You know, so when they free, they go, uh, they go doing the same activity. The second thing is also take your time. So it's no need to rush through the different certification. Always when you finish your course, take a step back. Okay, of course you're certified full cave and you're able to do this and that. But take a step back and uh learn, keep learning with other people, try to go diving with people more experienced. Uh feel free to share your mistake. That's a very important thing. You know, cave diving community and technical diving community is a very, you know. There's a lot of ego and a lot of, you know, it's a very uh, competitive business and we always try to, to look at our best, but actually that's a very unhealthy uh, thing. It's really, really good to share your mistake with people. You know, learn from uh, other people's mistakes and keep an open mind. You know, not everybody is perfect. We all do mistakes and that's how you learn. And, you know, most of the safety protocol we have now in place in cave diving are based on people that died. And then people told their story and say, okay, that's what that, that, and that, and that was what went went wrong. And now that's how we can correct the thing. And of course, last, last thing is you need to enjoy what you're doing. Okay. So don't just do cave diving because it looks cool and, and because it's feels like the natural, the ultimate progression in your scuba diver uh, career. It's not, it's a totally different path. That you may or may not take. Think about it. It's something that requires commitment in terms of time, money, equipment. Just kind of wait everything and see if it's that for you. If it is for you, uh, I would still suggest everybody can take a cavern course or cavern intro course, even though it's you feel it's not for you, because you will learn a lot and that will uh, deeply modify the way you're gonna dive later, even in the ocean. The way you're gonna assess risk, the way you're gonna assess uh, your own safety, your equipment management, your gas strategy, your teamwork. Uh, but that's a super interesting uh, activity, and and I would be really really happy to uh, answer any question to anybody if they if they really want, if they want to get into cave diving, and that's what I do each time each time someone uh, contact me and send me a mail, oh yeah, I want to do the full cave blah 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 blah, blah. I always like have like very long chat with them, what is their experience, why do they want to do cave diving, do they really realize that cave diving is this and that and that and that. So of course, I'm not trying to push them away. On the contrary, you know I'm running a business and the more customer I have, and the better it is. But I just want to make sure that people know what's their, uh, what they're doing and what they're starting.
1: Awesome, man. No, that's great, man. Um... And yeah, I'll definitely leave links in the uh, description to so people could get a hold of you. I really, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, it's it's been great to chat with you.
0: Same here, was a real pleasure, and I hope we're gonna meet again soon.
1: A scuba podcast.